What's up, pod listeners? It's Mark D'Amico here, reporter, analyst, and director of digital content for the Boston Celtics. And Nathan has asked me to tell you that you're about to listen to a brand new episode of the That UK Celtics podcast. So if you're ready to get into it, let's go. What's good, guys? It is your Boston Brit, and I am back with a brand new episode of the That UK Celtics podcast. Now, I've got a brand new co-host today, and he comes from the land of jersey buying and jersey selling. You've probably seen him on my Instagram at some point, or my Twitter. You've probably seen his Instagram Twitter too. Elliot from Hooping and Looting. Elliot, how are you doing, man? Yeah, all good. All good, mate. Thanks for uh, having me on, and uh, excited to see what's coming up. Yeah, to be fair, this is the first time you've been on the podcast as a co-host, so, I mean, you've joined for a pretty good episode. I did say that to G-Shack last time, but, I mean, you have joined for a pretty good episode this time. Now, shall I, shall I just introduce the guest? Shall we get straight into it? Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Okay, so you guys have probably already seen my Instagram and the hype video, which I put up for it. Anyway, this man needs no introduction. He is Mr. Goals. He has travelled the world and he is, at the moment, over in Mumbai, joining us, it is Adam LaFondra. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Well, I'll, I'm in Goa at the minute in quarantine, but I've joined Mumbai, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, you know, trying to fill time with, with uh, box sets, uh, movies, all sorts at the minute in quarantine. And, you know, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad. I mean, I'm, judging by your backdrop there, it looks like you're in an Austin Powers uh, movie right there. It looks like you've got some velvet velvet bed you got going on. Ah, it's my throne, mate. Don't you worry about this. Don't worry about the, the backdrop, mate. <laughs> good, good. Glad you're okay, man. Glad you're okay. So this, you know, this season of the podcast, I've kind of moved it on slightly, but we're still kind of talking to guests and, you know, understanding how they got into basketball. You know, how did they fall in love in the game and things? So, you know, my first question, mate, is how did you get into basketball? Um, you know, funny enough, when I moved to Australia and obviously playing for Sydney, the, the timings of the games sort of worked out perfectly. Um, and forever in the changing room was talk of basketball. So when I'd get home from training, there'd be a game on, so there'd be no football on or anything like that. Obviously, the Premiership's played, you know, in the middle of the night, um, obviously with the time difference. So I'd, I'd always see the basketball. So I was sort of, you know, grew to love it, watching it, you know, what how exciting it was, you know, obviously you know, the top players and how good they were and how skillful they were at the craft. It, it sort of drew me in as a sportsman um, just to that, you know, like the star power of it as well. It just sort of just sucked me in. And, you know, when you see the good players play and, what, and when they do what they do, it's, you know, it's, it's an incredible thing to watch. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'd love, to be honest, I'd love to have a Boston Celtics game on at like two in the afternoon. I'm not going to lie because the amount of times I've had to stay up, you're probably the same, Elliot, with, with, with your unfortunate team, the Brooklyn Nets. But, you know, we, we have to step until like three in the morning and it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. 
was going to say, yeah, I, you know, trying to stay up is a bit of a nightmare at my age too. I'm the older generation, so it's more hope you wake up in the middle of the night just as the game's starting, just by chance. <laughs> <laughs> Said you can't have you can't you can't have too many Red Bulls at your age, mate. You have a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, um, was there any other sport? Obviously, we know you for football. Was there any other sports you were into as a youngster? Any you played? Um, you know, with with school and stuff like that, I played literally every sport. I tried to, you know, throw myself into everything as a kid. Um, I love playing cricket. I played cricket quite a lot in the off season when I weren't playing football. I've um, played for the played basketball in you know in obviously PE and in, and in the school. Played table tennis for the school. Played tennis for the school. Um, yeah, like I say, I tried to play everything. The one thing I do regret doing, uh, well, not doing as a kid, as I picked up when I was older, was playing golf. Um, you know, I wish I played golf from a young age. Um, it's a sport I love. You know, nearly as much as football because of you know just the the single mindedness of it, but. You know, as a kid, like I said, I played everything I could, um, any sort of team game, roller hockey, anything like that. I loved it. I loved, I loved just, just to throw myself in any sort of sport, really. That is yes, mad. Roll, the... Roller hockey, I mean, I'm not, to be fair, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd be very good at that, to be honest. I think I'd be on there's, the arse, mate. There's quite, quite a big scene down down south with us, now for roller hockey. It's getting bigger and bigger down here. Yes, yeah, so it's Quidditch, mate. I don't play that. <laughs> You're fitting with us with golf, Alfie. Nath tries to play golf a little bit. He's decent, yeah. by what I've heard, he's decent. I, well, well, I am decent. I'm a six handicap, right? But I played, me and Elliot had a round the other day and I'll tell you what, the worst round of golf I've ever played in my life. I was literally, honestly, I was getting so angry. Do you know when you get to the point when you're so angry, you're like, I can't play this sport anymore. I felt like doing a Rory McIlroy and throwing the club into the river, into the sea. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, I played horrific. But anyway, right. So, Sticking with kind of, you know, your sports and stuff growing up, obviously you're a footballer, you know, talk to us a little bit about your career. I know obviously you've, you've played for numerous clubs, obviously you played for my club, Cardiff, you played for Reading, you played for Sydney recently, and you're now, you know, in the, in the process of, you know, moving over to Mumbai on loan. Now, what, so what, what is it like being a professional athlete? Because not many of us, you know, get that opportunity to kind of, live that lifestyle live that world and do something that you love every day yeah it's amazing you know uh, I'm not gonna lie it's my, my dream to be a footballer you know from five years old and I'm living that dream um, you know I pinch myself every day for all the, the the luck I've had from it and obviously the the graces I've got from it as well uh, but don't get me wrong the hard work I've put in from the age of probably seven eight years old to realizing my dream and knowing that my dream was to be a footballer from seven, eight, and, and dedicating my, 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 my childhood to being a professional footballer, which a lot of professional athletes do, you know. They resist temptation all the way through from growing up of, you know, you have to put yourself first before all your friends and, you know, girls and the, that sort of attention. You have to put that to the side because, you know, the ultimate goal is, is being a footballer or being a professional athlete. And, and for me, as a, as, a, as a young boy, well, now I'm a bit of an older man, um, you know, uh, I'm delighted to the decisions I made as a younger because it, it, it bore, bore the fruits for me. Of, you know, I, I reap the rewards of, of what I did as a younger person um, to get me to where I am now. And, you know, I'm still living the dream at 33 years old. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, obviously you've played for uh, a few clubs, you know, and you've scored ridiculous amounts of goals. Do you know, do you know how many goals you've actually scored? Do you know off the top of your head? 
I'm sure I'm surely surely most strikers know this and they're just a bit like no no I don't really know. you know <laughs> I'd say around 240 yeah I mean that's a lot of goals that is a lot of goals and you know I think one thing that people don't necessarily understand from you know on the outside looking in is the fact that you know you spoke about sacrifice you spoke about you know you give up essentially pretty much everything from your childhood to 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 pursue that 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 career and you know I think that's one thing that people like us Elliot don't really see do we 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 don't we don't truly understand you know getting up at like four in the morning going doing like four training sessions going to the gym like just putting in the work like we don't you know I roll out of bed at about at the moment, I roll out of bed about half ten in the morning and just turn my PlayStation on. So that that is my life at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's that, isn't it? We see the, we see the glamour. We don't see what goes on underneath. We don't see the time on the treatment table, the the fitness tests. You know, the we think what preseason we did was hard enough. You imagine it was a professional athlete that is kind of a walk in the park, really. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I to be honest, the one thing I was good at was the bleep test. It's the only thing I was good at. Just a tall, skinny guy. I was all right at the blue test. <laughs> nah, never all right for me. That I'm better at sprinting. I was always better <laughs> at the, um, you know, sort of the the thirty yard runs and, and less rather than than just a one off just a one off sprint for me rather than the the back and forth and back and forth. That wasn't my game. Yeah, I was decent at convincing people that I was good at the blue test. <laughs> I wish I had that trait. <laughs> So, we've mentioned there a few clubs that you've been at. So, what, for you, what, what's your top three uh, memories of your career, your top three highlights? Uh, I think probably my number, if I go in, like number three order, I'd probably say getting the player of the month in the Prem, like personal like achievement was, you know, at, at that age and that stage in my career was something I could only dream of getting. Uh, I was in League Two 18 months before playing in the Premier League and, you know, being on BBC Match of the Day was something I dream of as you know, as a ten-year-old, eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old, and to be living that dream and being the best player in the league for the month was was something I could only dream of. Um, and and to fulfil that was is one of the best memories I have. Um, probably number two is playing for Bolton. We um, we stayed up on the last day of the season against Nottingham Forest. I didn't start the game and and came on and and had an impact in the game. Scored one and, and set up two and. You know, we stayed up in the, the very last kick of the game and it was just a, unbelievable. I, it's, it's so hard to describe the feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it'll live with me for the rest of my life because it was, you know, I'll see the, the the last goal again where I cross it in for Wilbram and, you know, I'll get tingles on my neck, I'll get my arms or hairs will go up and it's like this this one and my, my Reading goals against Southampton where we beat Southampton away 3-1. They're two of the, the, the top two best moments in my career where they were you know the the goals against Southampton took us to the Premier League Reading and and the, the goals against the goal against Forest and the assists kept us in the league for the championship for Bolton when we looked dead and buried so it was two different feelings but two amazing feelings all the same yeah yeah that's cool so with um when you scored a screamer in that game is after the game's finished is your first thought Right, Sky Plus match of the day. Just to see uh, if because as, a, as amateurs, when we've scored when we've scored a worldie, you're just praying someone's filmed it on the sidelines. Uh, to be fair, yeah, I, I'm a sucker for that. I, I love watching myself. Um, 
Um, to be fair, when after the after that game, I think I, I travelled back with my with my good friend who drove my car down, and he 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 was out the window with my shirt after the game to all the fans as we were stuck in traffic going back up. Where would it be? Back up maybe the M2, M3, maybe I think it was. Back up to, from Southampton, I think we were. Mm. And uh, he was like with all the Reading fans, like with my jersey out the window saying, he's here, he's here. <laughs> I'm just sat in the car like this. Like, and he's like out the window singing my song with all the fans and stuff. Uh, it was incredible. You know, I'd ring my dad straight away and he's buzzing his head off. Yeah. Telling me how great it is and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that's the sort of things that I, I love. I love myself because I loved how proud I make them because they've yeah. helped me become who I am now and, you know, what I've done in the game as well. Yeah. I mean, it must be such a buzz knowing what the fans are feeling too, what you've done, seeing those fans on the sideline. I mean, you're circling away, but you think these fans just want to celebrate you, sort of the joy you've given them. You know, it's a mad feeling. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I still get loads of fans on Twitter now from Reading. Uh, send me the goal all the time from from Southampton, um, and you know, it's it's an iconic moment, I guess. And it, I, I love the fact that it's me who scored that because you know, as, as a player, you want them moments to to belong to you. And um, you know, I'm glad I've I've been able to share them moments with Reading fans, with Bolton fans, Sydney fans now as well, uh, and Rotherham fans as well. I've had and, and Rochdale as well. I had, had a good time at Rochdale as well. So. You know, I'm 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 honoured to have you know great memories with them clubs um, and share the love that you know they show to me and, and show back in kind with with what I produce on the pitch for them. Yeah, to be honest, you know, it must be crazy having. I couldn't imagine like fans like having a song about me. Now, what what's been what's been your favourite song that fact that fans have sung like from from what club? What's been your favourite song that you can remember anyway? They're all pretty. Um, they're all pretty standard. To be fair, the what one of them. I, there's, I remember one um, for Bolton. I was playing. We were playing Brentford away, and I was stood in the penna box for a corner, and I could just hear my song being sung, and I was like, hmm, "It's quite catchy." This, and I just remember singing it in the six-yard box, thinking <laughs> like, "No, oh, this is all right." This like, and then for, forever that like it just sort of stuck. That song stuck, and you know they they've sung it for me. Loads of times, and you know, fans obviously always tweet me the same as well. Ole, ole, um, Adam Afondra is a wonder, and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a crazy feeling. And obviously, Reading, you know, come the second half, normally in the Prem games, at about 55 minutes, the far left towards the way fans, like that, that side of the stand would literally just sing my song for five minutes until Brian brought me on. It was literally like, it was like the calling card. It was like, we want him, bring him on. I'd just be sat there on the bench like, right, I better go and we'll get warmed up. The fans want me. Like, if you get beat, I sort of knew the script, what was going to happen anyway. So I sort of knew I would come on anyway. But, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such a weird feeling, but a great feeling all the same. So it's kind of, it kind of moves me on to my next question. So obviously you've played with some great players in your time. Um, and I kind of want to know who's been your favourite player to play with? Like, who's... Who's been the uh, who's been the most difficult? And have you got any funny stories? Obviously, you know we uh, obviously yeah. we play two K with Connors and stuff, and you guys have laughed about some stuff on the on the camera a little bit. But well, obviously, I've got a funny story about Connors uh, when he joined Reading on loan. You know, we obviously we have initiation, and um, you have to sing a song in front of everyone. And 
and obviously before everyone's banging the table, shouting, come on, you know, we want to we want to see the show, like, just to sort of hype it up and, you know, have a laugh really and put them under a little bit of pressure. Um, and Connor's obviously got up to sing and he was white as a ghost. Like, he just buckled under the pressure and couldn't do it, sat down, couldn't do it. I was like, I'll have to pay. And I think he, I can't remember how much he, he paid in the end, but I know he had to, I think he either took his gauchos or something like that. Um just for not singing, just for not singing for 30 seconds, which is nothing, do you know what I mean? Like, well, it's mad, you can go out, you can go out and stand with like 30,000 people and play football and make a mistake or score a goal or whatever, but you can't stand up in front of, what, 20 lads in a room? <laughs> yeah, well, all your teammates, do you know what I mean, who you're going to spend the next, whatever, six months with. Uh, and, you know, he couldn't do it. It was, it, to be fair, it was hilarious because he just buckled, he'd gone, he couldn't eat or anything. He was just like sweating and stuff. You think, I think he thought, married? Yeah, he thought it was obviously a bit more of a bigger occasion than what it was. And, you know, we were all for a laugh and that, but I think he sort of uh, felt the pressure of that. Probably tight on our side, but no, it was a good laugh in the end. I mean, so yeah, so who, like, who's been your favourite player that you've played with over the years? Um, my favourite player I've played with, there's, there's a few. It's hard to, obviously, I play for so many clubs. Like, it's hard to just nail it down to, you know, um, say just one. Um, you can give us a few. Oh, okay then. I had a early on. I had a great relationship with with Nicky Law at Rotherham. Um, you know, me and him were very similar in in characteristics, in in style of play, and and very similar sense of humour as well. And got on fantastically well with him until obviously I I moved to Reading, and I think he moved after that to Rangers. Um, and then when I moved to Reading, I had a great relationship with Gareth McLeary, the winger. Um, you know, we put similar to Nicky. I always seem to find the people who set me up, um, the ones who will get along with the most because, you know, obviously I need their help. Um, you know, Jem Karakan. That goal scoring by that sort of helped. Yeah, well, of course, yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, they've got to help me, haven't they? So I've got to, uh, you know, I've got to butter them up so then when they're, they're going to shoot, they're going to pass it instead to me and look for me. Um, Jem Karakan as well, who was at, at Reading and, and came to Bolton as well. I had a fantastic time with him and, you know, I'm close mates with him. He's, he's such a funny guy as well. Um, He's one of the best uh, like dressing room persons, and and um, you could have. He's such a great guy and um, a, a great player as well. But a, a lot of lot quite underrated, to be fair. But it's you know that's football for you. Um, Sydney, the, the, to be fair, the whole changing room there was fantastic with me, uh, and had some really close friends in Alex Barmyoan and and Costa Barbarousas as well. Um, on the time of leaving and, and at the minute I've just got myself as a friend in, in isolation in Mumbai so you know um, I'm, I'm waiting to meet my new friends <laughs> best, Who's the best player you played against? Who, who's the one player where you've been on the field with and just thought well uh, I've never really had that aura with anyone I've never really gone onto a field and been afraid of anyone or you know like so oh wow but the, the one thing I always remember from my time in the Prem was I remember coming on against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and I think, obviously, I scored in the first game against Stoke at home and I think I'd just come on after, like, five minutes and I think the ball came into my feet and I just remember getting scissored from behind. And as I was on the floor, I was like, ow, turn around. It was like John Terry just hanging out the back of me and I was like, okay. And it just felt like, yeah, that ain't happening on my watch. Like just just that that sort of thing where I've been like laying a marker on my early doors, where I've never really, I never really had that before. 
the championship was tough, but I didn't expect that sort of thing from the Prem. And one of the best defenders in the league, if not one of the best defenders of the Prem generation, has just laid me out on the floor. Maybe a little bit of fear, or maybe he just wanted to smash me anyway. But yeah. you know, I, I sort of I sort of buzzed off that. You know, I, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird one to say, but I sort of love that because I sort yeah. of I, I sort of in, interpreted it as that. Oh, he must fear me a little bit if he wants to smash me this early on. Mm. I mean, have you had have you had any players like in your teams where you know? Not, they've not been difficult, but you know what I mean? The players which are, are a bit like... And obviously, we know Connors is a hothead, but I mean... <laughs> like, hothead? <laughs> Who's told you that? No, I was joking, I was joking. Well, <laughs> with, uh, you would have played with um, Sibwell at Reading, wouldn't you? Was he a bit of a hothead? No, he wasn't, no. Um, hothead? Royston Drenford was pretty much a hothead when I played with him. He, um, he could throw it about, especially in training and stuff as well, he... Obviously, he had a lot. He had very high standards. Mad career he had. <laughs> what a mad career he's always been the ones that I said it. He's like, he's, I put him in like the Thomas Gravison bracket, where it's just like random, random Crazy. moves coming along. Well, he was like the best player at the under twenty World Cup or something like that at, at like eighteen, nineteen, or maybe even younger than that. And he went to Real Madrid straight from there, and yeah. you know, obviously from Real Madrid. I don't think it obviously quite works out for him. Obviously, it's, when you play for a big club like that, there's a lot of pressure and yeah. um, probably not right for me to speak on his career, but he he still had a fantastic career, but I'm sure he probably regrets some of the things he probably did at, at Madrid as well because he should have probably stayed there for longer. He had great ability. Moving on a little bit. Now, I put this question to Gordon um, when we had a podcast with him. And, you know, the one thing which many people kind of want to understand and want to know is you know what what is a typical game day like for yourself? Now, Gordon says that he's you know he's not very superstitious. He'll he'll just wake up. The only one thing that he has to do he has to do his hair. He said that is the only necessary that is the only thing he has to have done. Other than that, he's not really superstitious. He doesn't have like a, a set routine to say. Other than you know he goes out at a certain time on the court and things. You know what is a typical game day looking like, for Adam Lafondre? Um. I am very superstitious, mate. I just like to keep things very much the same. If something worked the week before, then it'll stay the week after and the week after until I don't score. And then if I don't score, it'll be a subtle change the week later. Um, you know, so like I'll have very similar breakfast in the morning, um, very similar snack at lunch, and I won't really eat a pre-match meal. I tend to like to go into a game with less food in my stomach and you know less processing. It's probably a bit daft thinking, but it just feels like I feel a little bit lighter from doing that. And just obviously that's just me doing that. Everyone's different. Um, and that, that's pretty much I just have a boring day. I just like to keep myself really low key um, tend to focus on what's going to happen in the game. You know, a bit of visualisation um, early morning, really, before the kids come and attack me. And, um, you know, just have like a family day. If they're not in school, have a family day. Or if not, just with the missus, you know having a pretty low-key day there's nothing real major but I just like to keep you know the meals the same and, and whatever I do around that pretty similar as well week to week you know you're not one of those players that's got the uh the lucky boxes and the lucky shin pad socks that you've not washed in like 10 years have you nah they get washed but um you know I have I have things that I like to keep the same <laughs> that's great okay okay so let's talk a little bit about the NBA now we can see that you're wearing a Mavs jersey, so we know you're a Mavs fan. Um, so how you know how how did you get into you know how did you get into supporting the Mavs? You know, obviously you're on a Celtics podcast right now, so we are gonna 
had to try and convert you. Elliot, there's, no. Elliot's got no hope. We're not, we're not going to convert Elliot, but, you know, what <laughs> made you do Babs? Don Chich. Love watching him, man. Fair, that's fair enough. He is, he is an absolute beast. He is going to be... I, I think he's going to be an MVP, 100%. He's just walked off, isn't he? You know what I mean? Like, someone who's not as athletic as the other boys and he takes, like, takes the piss, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, he can just create something from nothing and just, like... Don't matter if he's had six, seven turnovers, he'll still try and do something where no well, there's not many people in the NBA that can do that, what he can do. And like you say, I think his trajectory is obviously MVP and you know he's obviously probably gonna de- deliver another chip to, to Dallas. Yeah, I think I, th- I think his, you know, the team he's got around him as well. They'll only, yeah. you know, with with Cuban and you know, he's he's a smart guy. He's gonna he's gonna bring in some assets. Now now he knows Luca is a stud, he is legit. They're gonna, I think they're gonna start splashing some cash and getting some yeah, other high priority players in to, to go for that title run because the West is, the West is crazy. The West is crazy with the Clips and the Lakers, you know, the Rockets as well. Obviously, James Harden, but the Rockets, well, Rockets always teeter out anyway, so I won't be too worried about them. But I mean, the West is stacked. Everyone, everyone's, everyone's retooling though, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? You know, there's a lot of teams, obviously Golden State have got to come back and what they're going to do with their pick if they're going to flip it. And, mm. you know, obviously, Steph and Clay, you know what I mean? Nah, they're, nah, they're not a problem. Don't worry about them in the background. I think you're right, though. I think it's that the, the talent pool at the moment is phenomenal, that there's yeah. that many teams that can have that many good players that can come through. There's, I mean, but with Doncic, I think my thing about him is everything is at his own pace. Yeah. No matter what happens, it's at his own speed. He he reminds me of of in football in terms Michael Ballack, where yeah. he just glides through games and it looks as if everything else is in slow motion. And it's just yeah, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. But he's also been schooled through um, through the Euro leagues. He's a, he, he hasn't come through the high school. He's come through. Um, the Euroleague's playing at Real Madrid, winning MVPs with Real Madrid, winning championships, that that's instilled at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, I'd say he's more of a Javi Alonso kind of character. You know, you don't really necessarily see him on the pitch, but Perlo. pulls him out of the bag. <laughs> I was going to go Perlo, mate. Uh, mate, nothing Just can be... Slow, slow motion play, you can get near him. He can't. He's already three steps ahead of you. And yeah. the thing is as well, watching... Watching Perlo run doesn't look like he doesn't look like a footballer. It looks like he should be some cigar model sat on a boat. But it's I mean, a glass of red wine does <laughs> that as well. It's an absolute boss. The NBA obviously had an historic end with the bubble um, or the chaos that's happening in the world. How do you feel the bubble was? How was the bubble a success? Did you enjoy it? Is it something that could be implemented into into the next season? How, I mean. What were your thoughts on the bubble? I thought it was a success, yeah, of course. They finished the season, you know, they've got the right winners. Um, I think, obviously, overall, it was a great success. I think fans are a massive miss, obviously, you know. When when there's no fans, sport is never the same. Um, no, matter what, no matter what sport it is, it's not the same. Um, I think when they start integrating fans back in safely, I think... The sport, every sport would be better for it, but obviously the NBA as well would be, you know, be great because a lot of teams, you know, use their crowd as as momentum as well, um, you know, to, to pull teams back or to 
you know, to put other teams under pressure in big games, in big leverage moments as well. Um, in the playoffs, you know, the the crowd can obviously alter that. And I think, um, you know, I think a lot of teams will want that back. Maybe the smaller market teams who've got, you know, crowd advantage um, where it's quite hard to go to, like a Utah or someone like that. Um, you know, it might help them out a bit more. Yeah, I mean, have you have you have you played in front of no fans yet? Have you had to do that? Yeah, um, at Sydney we played a couple of games just before the break of of COVID um, and a few games just after COVID where there's no fans and it's just it's incredibly hard to you know sort of motivate yourself. You know, I'm, I was in the game messing around. I scored in the last game before we broke and started clapping to the imaginary fans and you know it's just. It's just stuff to get me through the game. I was like running around going, come on lads, we've got to do this for the fans and all this. Like, you know, obviously just trying to like G the lads up and have a laugh. But like, it's so hard to proper motivate yourself to say that this is a proper game and uh, and get yourself in the right, you know, frame of mind to, to compete properly. Um, I think obviously you, you get used to it after a while, but it's not something you want to get used to for a long time. Mm. I mean, I feel sorry for the commentators because... Every, every every five minutes, they've got to apologise for some swearing. So, and I can imagine in Australia as well, they do yeah. love they do love swearing, don't they? So, I can imagine the commentator just. Do, do you think that's be, do you think that's beneficial for the younger players? Um, I think playing in front of fans is better for for anyone. Yeah. I think you have, you have to understand that pressure, um, whether it's ten people or you know hundred thousand people. If you have a, the the pressure of someone shouting, you know, you crap, you shit. Do you know what I mean? I think that sorts of make you thicker skin for the moments when you play in front of 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 who are all bathe for your blood. Do you know what I mean? I think as a as a professional, you have to understand that pressure and, and revel in that moment as well. Does it ever go through your head? You know, if you're, for example, so you played at Old Trafford, we know that. So did, has it ever gone through your head? Like, what are the fans thinking right now? When you're Or when, as soon as you step on the pitch, everything kind of goes silent around you. Is it kind of like a weird feeling do you know what I mean uh, yeah no, well being a United fan like I, I didn't care I was just buzzing to play on the pitch you can't like for me I can't really hear the fans but when I do hear them and if they are booing me I love it I think that's the sort of thing where I like to be sort of be the villain because I always was taught as a young age if if, a fa- if the fans are booing you they fear you you know they want to put you off your game they see you as a threat and you know I if they, if they boo me, it's always right. I go in front of them as soon as I score and just, you know, tell them to quiet down and just, let's just calm down a little bit. Like, I, I used to love doing that. I think that's one of the best things about being a footballer is be able to give the fans, you know, take it from the fans. Fair enough. You know, if you want to sit F and Jeff at me all game and call me this, call me that, that's great. But if I stand in front of you, tell you to shush after a score and we win 1-0, then you just, you've got to take that as a fan as well. Absolute shit sorry that is. And that is fine. I love, I love that. I love that. So, Kind of sticking with basketball. Obviously, we know you're a Mavs fan. How do you think the Mavs season went? You know, obviously we had the bubble, we had the break and stuff. You know, how 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 do you think the Mavs could improve next season? What would you like to see from them? You know, how do you think they did? Yeah, I thought they were great. Um, obviously, a couple of bad calls in the playoffs from you know really testing the Clippers. Obviously, they tested the Clippers, but you know the first game with Pazingas. Oh, I think it was the second game, sorry. Zingas getting thrown out. You know, terrible call. Um, to, you know, they look as if they're going to win that game as well. So, yeah, obviously, the Morris on, on Doncic as well, on his ankle, doesn't look great. 
Mm. But I think obviously, I think the team as a whole will be better for the experience. Doncic will be, you know, miles better for the experience. You know, obviously, he's game winner on, on the buzzer beater. Um, he's shown that he can handle them high leverage moments, and I think you know we come back stronger next season and and obviously go a step further. I'd, I'd like to think we're going to get closer to the you know the conference finals this time than than obviously a first round exit, depending on seeding. Um, you know, obviously we'd like to get a little bit help for Luca. Obviously they've got KP. He's just coming off meniscus, so hopefully he recovers properly and, and shows the form he was showing in, in the bubble because he was on fire in the bubble, weren't he, before his injury? And then obviously, you know, he was a big loss when, when he went out went out for the, of the series. So I think obviously the KP and, and Luca, you know, dynamic is is one that's going to be fantastic going forward, providing the health's, you know, guaranteed. And if they can get a third supplementary star to that, you know, a Gallinari or someone like that who can, you know, space the floor and knock down threes for fun and and obviously, also get to the basket when he wants pretty much twenty points a game. Um, so if you can get someone like that and added to it, you know they've got a plethora of, of picks and, and obviously assets they can trade away to get a, a good player as well. Obviously, Gallinari is off contract, but you know they can get a, an even better player off, off someone else if if they need to as well. Um, do you know what? I, I'm not even going to bite because I, I think I've made clear that I'm I'm quite a big big Dallas fan. Um, partly because of KP, you know, I'd love to see Paul Singers just absolutely five, just so it makes it that even bit harder for Knicks fans to see. Um, but yeah, the, you know, there's there's a lot of potential in there, but as always, it's it's the potential, um, and there's that many good teams around at the moment that, like I say, it could be anyone's thing. We could we could say the Nets won't be there. You know, the Celtics, no one expected anything. No one expected Tatum to rise as he did um, this season. I mean, even the biggest diehard Celtics fans wouldn't have said we'd be very close to getting to to, to the finals. Um, I mean, so- personally, personally, I mean, I, I, I honestly believed, I did say at the start of the season that, you know, so with the Celtics, you know, spoken to like Mark D'Amico and a couple of other guys as well, um, you know, anything, so in the Celtics, like, front office, anything is always geared, everything's always geared towards a championship run. Nothing's ever geared towards, oh, let's make the playoffs. Let's get to the first round. It's like, everything is geared to a championship and there's anything less is a failure. And that's how they see it. And I suppose that's why, you know, they've been so successful. Um, unfortunately, we're now tied, but we got there first. So... LA can any moons ago some of your championships so weren't it? Well, on, 2008 last one. Well, to be fair, they are they are all Boston though. Yeah, true, true. But seriously, like they are, you know, most some teams kind of gear themselves to get, just make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. And you know, I think Dallas is now going to start to look a little bit deeper. Now you know, you know, Luca is a stud. That, yeah, you know, the, the front office, the front office are going to be like, right, hang on a minute, we only want just to make the playoffs. Now yeah. we can actually put a run on here. We've got some great players, so that's you know, let's bring in some more, some more assets. Because what I find with the league nowadays, you've got to have a three ball, a hundred percent. Like you have to have players that can shoot the three constantly and effectively, because otherwise, you're just going to get blown out. Like the game yeah. has changed massively from when I started watching in like 2004 to now. You know, it's the game's completely changed. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, to be fair, 
like, like what you're saying, I, th- I think maybe Dallas are looking at the fact that they're looking at LeBron and thinking, let's just see LeBron out, keep getting the playoffs. If we nick a, you know, a, a series here or there, Doncic is going to take over from him and rule the West. I think he, that's what they're sort of seeing because obviously LeBron at the minute is playing at a, a stupidly high level. Realistically, is it you know achievable to do that for let's say three or four years? Maybe maybe next year, yeah, definitely. I, I think so. The way he finished the season, the season after that, maybe not. So Doncic in three years' time compared to LeBron in three years' time will be whole different spectrums and. I suspect, you know, by then Dallas will probably maybe been in one East, one Western Conference Finals, maybe even got through to the proper finals on the, the, the third year, depending on what's around Luca and KP. And, you know, I think that's what they're looking at. I think obviously th- this time now is great, but I think if you wait three or four more years, the great players that are in this era are sort of fading. You know, look at Harden, the other side of 30, Steph's the other side of 30, LeBron's 35, I think, just turned 35. You know, I think Kawhi's nearing 30. There's only Yanis, really, who's, what, 27? And yeah, he's still not got a jump shot, really, at, at 27. So is he really a threat if he gets if he comes to the West, like everyone's saying, he's going to come to the West of the Warriors or, or wherever if he gets traded there? Is he really going to be that much of a threat to, to Luka? Um I don't really see it as that. I think long-term game, Dallas has sort of got it in the bag, by the looks of it so far, anyway. It's it's interesting, the differences, because if I change the Nets, where you said, Nate, about getting for championships, Nets, everything they've done is good to win the title next season. Within yeah. the next two years, everything that the Nets have done, and it's a common thing said about, oh, do we keep our young players? I start seem a little bit harsh when I say everyone is tradable because everything is geared to do next year. We shouldn't be taking the risk on someone could potentially be good in three years. We need yeah. someone that's good in the next two. Um, and it, it, it's interesting how different teams have different you know, different aims in the next couple of years. Yeah. Their superstars are closer to, you know, KD's coming off of Achilles in 30, 31. Kyrie's close to 30. You know, their superstars are super superstars. Now, don't get me wrong. Doncic is a super superstar, but they've got chips behind them, the other two. Whereas, obviously, he's not a proven winner yet. Besides, obviously, the Euro League, which is obviously where he was unbelievable over there. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, th- I think it's going to be the next the next ten years in basketball is going to be it's going to be crazy. Obviously, I'm not going to lie. I am looking forward to the day that LeBron slows down because he is, <laughs> he always seems to be, well, not recently anyway, but he always seems to be the Celtics kryptonite in the playoffs. Yeah. So. Um, It'll be interesting with the full season, though, because obviously he's phenomenal, don't get me wrong, and and he's the greatest player I've ever seen play basketball. Um, But it was a condensed bubble. Yeah. Um, At his age, you know, can that be done over a whole season? Because the way things are at the moment, it may still need to be some sort of bubble, but more games put into a short amount of time. Um. At his age, I say his age, he's a year older than me, so at our <laughs> age, it gets even harder to get out of the bed in the morning. So yeah. when you're combining those amount of games, and, and you know what I mean? It's an impact sport. It's yeah. not a light sport. It's constant, it's constant impact. That I Is that going to impact how long he can keep going? At Obviously, he can't keep that level up because it's phenomenal, but even more so with the situation at the moment. 
Yeah, definitely. I, th- I totally agree with what you're saying. I think obviously travel is a big thing as well. Obviously with the bubble, there's no travel. I think, you know, being a player from going across Australia, traveling to, to different states and playing there, you don't realize how much that impacts you. And, you know, obviously yeah. America's not the smallest of countries to travel, you know, East coast or West coast, if you're doing obviously a 10, 12 hour flight across. And then you're playing basketball that night, and then you're flying straight out to another place. You know, that, that's obviously not great for, for someone of his age, but I think he's shown and I think he's earned the credit to, you know, to say like, when it's, when it's his time, he'll sort of dictate that rather than let anyone else, you know, sort of say when he's slowing down because, you know, he keeps just getting better and better with age, it seems like. And it's, uh, it's frightening really for the sort of the younger generation to see, I guess. And, you know, it's, it's incredible really. Testament to him. To be honest, the whole the whole goat debate between him and Jordan now, you know, it's a tricky one. But I don't want to spice it up a little bit here. But I, I do think LeBron is the greatest player of all time. I do think he's the goat. No, I mean I've watched. Obviously, I haven't fully watched a lot of Jordan. I've only watched you know when you're growing up and stuff. You watch like clips and things like that, and some games and things, but being able to watch LeBron throughout his career. I, I, I personally think, you know, he carried that Cavs team. That Cavs team was terrible, terrible. And, you know, I think he's a GOAT. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Behind Larry Bird, though. We're going to say Larry Bird is the... <laughs> what do you think, Elliot? I think, I think, but personally, he is. I didn't see enough of Jordan. I think it's... Uh, I think... I think whatever someone says it's an opinion then yeah. it's not a, it's not a real question because you can't compare them to because they played in completely different eras it's like saying is Pele better than Ronaldo it's completely different eras it's completely different sport I mean we, you said there now since 2004 how it's changed we're going back here to the 90s mm-hmm. to say how did they play in the 90s compared to now so it, it's an enjoyable question to see people just absolutely lose their shit from it and it's <laughs> yeah. enjoyable to wind people up um, you've got the Bron uh, bandwagoners, haven't you? The LeBron bandwagoners are just absolutely rammed just so far up ass. So, unbelievable. Yeah, for, from a from a Jersey point of view, I just enjoy it at the moment because I can wind people up saying about how MJ is desperate for attempt and at the moment. You know, LeBron's just won a chip, so MJ's like, "What? Well, I'm going to put my logo on all of the all of the jerseys just so people are talking about me again." Yeah. There's a break. Uh, oh, let's put the last dance on which wasn't about the last time, it was an MJ documentary. Yeah, it's a power move, isn't it? He's always like, just sort of getting, trying to get these little white niggles over him and stuff like ice. It's funny, man. I watch Undisputed all the time and Skip Bayless, man, he's so much after LeBron's attention. It's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth it. It's it's like um, with all the things Kyrie's saying at the moment. You know, I said it the other day, that I say things just to, to get reactions. But if I was if I was Kyrie, and you imagine every day, I mean, and you mentioned it when you like when you sit hear the fans on the side saying stuff. If I woke up every day and had a thousand messages in my inbox saying I hate you, how much I hate you, times a hundred, I'd go out and say whatever I could just to wind people up and then sit and laugh and watch the reactions. Yeah, you know, you've got to, you've got to have that release where you can just let things go over your head and this is from saying from a perspective of I get a few hate messages a day not a professional sportsman that gets thousands and thousands coming in you've got to be able to have that light relief so saying the earth is flat you know you're going to get people just absolutely losing their minds so I think it's brilliant I thought it'd be a good idea to do a 
a couple of little games with you. Um, one is geared around the Mavs and the Celtics, and then another is geared just based solely on you as a GM. So I will start with the Mavs and the Celtics one. So what we want to do, so me and you are joint GMs. We have to combine. Elliot, you can have a, you can weigh in on this as well. We want to get our starting five plus sixth man yeah. between our t- current rosters right now. This is so we'll go through the positions, and Elliot can be kind of like the referee, I suppose, the, the main judge. But we'll uh, we'll go through them. So we will start at point guard. Now yeah, I'll take Kemba. You want to take Kemba? You don't want to take Luca? Nah, I'd have Luca too. Okay, right. Fair enough. Okay, so that was that was I simple. That was simple. I take that. <laughs> so we're gonna have we're gonna have Kemba at the point, and then we know number two. We know we're gonna take Luca. So yeah. probably just as well that I didn't have to say anything about Kemba. So that's all quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, honestly though, I mean, if you if you if you were going to take um, Luca at the point guard, I, I don't think I would have. Put up that yeah, obviously Jalen's a better defender, but this I've already thought about this as where I have a, a good defender in you know a bit for in the other positions now rather than uh, probably a better player. Okay, okay. So we've got Kemba Walker at the point. We have got Luka Doncic at shooting guard. Now we're going to go to we'll go small forward. Where are we going with this? Well, it's Tatum, isn't it? Has to be Tatum. I mean, if anything, but I mean, he's Luka and Tatum on the same team. Imagine that. Yeah, absolutely unreal so we are so we've got our point guard we've got our small um, small forward and we've got our shooting guard now we need to go to power forward who, who, who are we taking here I'm taking Finney Smith mate for lockdown and free <sighs> I mean I think Celtics Celtics play Celtics play small ball really so I mean we don't necessarily have a out and out power forward in yeah. reality it would normally be KP KP likes the four, doesn't he? But, you know, I'm being selfish and want KP at the five, man. Okay. Okay, I'll give you... Because you haven't got a centre. Boston haven't got a centre. It's not Tice. Daniel Tice is a beast. He is a beast. He plays... Oh, honestly... Oh, sorry, we're not having Tice over KP. Come on. Right, so power forward. Power forward. Now, I think I need to... You're trying to interject someone here, and I, aren't you? But you ain't got anyone. That's a, I, I thought it out. You can't play Jalen there. You can't play Jalen there. Oh, is it between Jalen and Gordon? That's why I thought it out. I thought you can't have Kem. That's why I put Doncic at the two. I thought he's not really going to argue for let Thingy slide and get him in. I see what you've done here, you cheeky shit. <laughs> um, I'll let you have sixth man. You can have Marcus Smart. That that was a fact. That that was going to be a fact anyway. Okay, so we'll go. So we've got our our starting well, our starting five plus our six. We've kind of nailed it down. Elliot, do you, do you agree with any of these, or are you? Uh, have you got any difference of I'd opinion? Like to be, I'd like to be controversial, but oh, go for it. What's your controversial? What is it? No, I said, I said I'd like to be, but I can't. Oh, no, well, fair enough. There we go. <laughs> so we've got um, Kemba Walker at the point. We've got Luka Doncic. We have got uh, Chris Zingis at the centre. We have got Jason Tatum at small forward. And we have got, who do we have at power forward? Dorian. Dorian. And we've got Dorian at power forward. So, I mean, to be honest, I think that team could win a chip. I think they're all right. 
I don't think we will go. <laughs> Luca and Tatum on the same team. That would be unbelievable. Okay, so the final game that we've got is all down to you, Alfie. So I've done it with all the guests so far. They have to pick out of all the players in the league. So current rosters, um, everyone's healthy. But you have to pick your starting five. And what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm, after all of the guests have been on, I'm going to throw it into 2K. I'm going to do like a little sim thing. And we're going to see who comes out on top. So, Alfie, who you are the GM of Alfie's Mavericks. Oh, okay. You know, who are you taking and why? I don't head over heart. I don't want to go. Right, I'll go Luke at the point. This okay. Um, Go on, I'll have... Um, I'll take uh, Jalen Brown. You want to take Jalen at shooting, shooting guard? Okay. Just, just didn't like him and I felt bad I didn't put him in the last team. <laughs> and then we'll go LeBron, AD. No, LeBron, Yanis, AD. Okay, that is a strong, that's a strong team. I mean, most of the guests have obviously chose LeBron and and, and Yanis and, and things like that, like, People, obviously, I think because he's been out, I think because the Golden State Warriors were terrible this year, people forget about, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Yeah. And also people forget about Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like, when to, Kevin Durant was in like, his Achilles, he was, for me, second best player in the league. Yeah, he's elite. He's, he's obviously the cream, the cream, the cream of the crop. I just like the way AD and Thingy work together. LeBron. So that's why I sort of think as a tandem... Maybe not on the game, but in real life, like they're a joke together. So it'd be hard to have one without the other. That's that's fair enough. Elliot, have you got any? What would you change, Elliot? Who who would be your five, mate? Well, we obviously change Jalen Brown. Just being nice. <laughs> we look Kyrie. <laughs> Don't even have to say it. You, know, you guys have said it for me. Who would you? But who would you take, Elliot? You're starting five. Who would you take? Oh, I would go Kyrie, LeBron. Kyrie, LeBron. Um, obviously, KD is going to be there. I'm not sure how he's going to come back from um, from injury, but I think as a seven-footer, that's a massive benefit for him that his Achilles, he isn't having to leap a foot in the air um, to come in it. So he's already got a smaller... Um, smaller capacity to have to reach uh, to get back to his game. He's got a lot of limbs uh, though, isn't he? He's got a lot of limbs. He's going to have to, he's going to, he's going to have to shift and pivot. So. Yeah, but then it'll, it'll just pull up and shoot over you if he wants to. That's the thing about him is he can still do that. Um, and that good anyway, he'll be, he'll be fine. I think, you know, the, yeah. the fear of him maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago would have been a problem. But now I think with, you know, he'll have his own doctor, his own surgeon. You know, he'll have the top medical people around him to give him the best advice. The only problem if he don't come back properly is that he's not done his rehab properly. Hmm. Well, think about it. like if Gordon yeah. Haywood, if Gordon Hayward can come back from that absolute shattering leg injury, then you know, I and and KD's had an even longer time to do it because of the bubble in the season. He hasn't had to rush back, which initially he would have had to have been back by now and already playing. But yeah. he's had that extra time to say in the bubble, no, I'm not playing. I'm going to go and take that time. And there would have been pressure on him to play for the USA too. Um, if obviously things hadn't changed because it was the Olympics, wasn't it? He would have it been yeah. uh, part for the Olympics. Um, but I would also have 
Um, again, I'm just going to play a fluid three. I'm not going to restrict them to one point. I'd have AD and Giannis in there. Um, so, yeah, I've got Kyrie, LeBron, KD, Giannis and AD. See, I a... sixth, man, sixth man, Jimmy Butler, just because he's probably my favourite player in the league. But yeah, that is the end of the episode, Alfie. I mean, appreciate you coming on. I know, obviously, you're stuck in your Austin Powers-themed uh, hotel room there. But really, really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Elliot, really appreciate you, you know, jumping in and being a co-host. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, mate. Yeah. Well, that was a, a sombre yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't know who you were speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, well, Elliot, Elliot was living the dream, clearly, for the last, what, 45 minutes to an hour. But, uh, you yeah, know, Alfie, mate, really, really appreciate it. Um, and obviously we'll uh, actually before you go we want your prediction for next season who's going to take who's going to win the chip Eastern Conference Western Conference Finals and then we'll revisit next year this time next year we'll come back and we'll see if you got it right um, I'd like to see the Nets come out of it I'd like them to play oh, the Lakers because I don't think Dallas will be ready yet but I think I'd like to see LeBron and KD. I'd like to see that again. Like KD without Golden State versus, you know, an aging LeBron with obviously a superstar in AD. I think that would revitalise whatever falling figures it was for, you know, these finals. I think everyone would go crazy for that. I think that's sort of the matchup everyone wants. Hart says I want, you know, obviously I want Dallas in the finals. That would be ideal against, you know, a not great team. Milwaukee when they lose Yannis. They, they flute themselves to the final or something. They do it in Miami. But, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, I think if you look at the form of the league over the over the years, it tends to go with the stars. And, you know, I think if KD and Kyrie are fit, they get through the East. If LeBron and AD are fit, I think they've just shown what they do to the West. So I think that would be the perfect matchup for the fans anyway. For, like, you know, being, being a Mavs fan, but also... Loving the, the the top players being the, you know at the pinnacle of their sport, I think who who wouldn't want to see the, the best players play each other? Hundred percent. Who so say if the Mavs did make the finals, right? I know there's another question, but still, yeah. if the Mavs made the finals, who wouldn't you want to play on the East? Who would and yeah, who would and who wouldn't you want to play? Who do you fancy uh, yourself against, and who who do you think actually now? Well, obviously we'd struggle against the Nets because like there's not really anyone in. You know the NBA. You can guard KD. This KP maybe, but has he got the has he got the footwork to stay with you know KD? I don't think so. I think he can obviously bother him with his shot, but I don't know if he'll even match up with him. Like realistically, will he will he even try to match up with him because he might get embarrassed? Um, you know, I'd like us to play the Hornets. <laughs> Someone like that. <laughs> I think. I think. No, to be honest, like if like you said about KD, there. I mean, if I was, if I was a G, if I, if I was, if I was the coach, if I was the head coach. Now, I don't know if Elliot, if you would agree with this, but I would. If you have a superstar player like LeBron, like KD, let them do their thing, right? Let them do. No, there's no way in hell they're going to get ninety to hundred points a game. Let them do their thing. If they want to shoot. Okay, who cares, right? You want to you want to have a game plan for everyone else because if you have that game yeah. plan for everyone else, let them be their superstar. Yeah, you might make fifty points a game, but you know your team collaborative like collectively 
you're going to get at least 100. So that's how I would always play, you know, uh, like a KD, a LeBron or, or someone like that. I, I don't know what you think. I, I'd agree with that because I'm also a big believer in concentrating on making the other team worry about you rather than you worrying about the other team. Um, if you feel you're an elite team, then I think you should, like I say, make them concentrate on you. So you concentrate on your strengths and then the rest of it, the rest should fall into, fall into place. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And we'll, we'll end it there. We'll end it there. So again, Alfie, really appreciate it, mate. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time. Cheers, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Cheers, Elliot. Okay, guys. So that ends this week's episode. Now, if you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, like, and review the pod because it's only ever going to help me out. So next week, we have another special guest on and another co-host. So guys, once again, appreciate your love. This has been your Boston Brit. Till next time. Peace. champions once again.